Chapter 13 of Light on Life's Difficulties by James Allen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Andrea Fiore. Chapter 13 Light on Individual Liberty. Within the sphere of his own mind, man has all power, but in the sphere of other minds and outside things, his power is limited. He can command his own mind but he cannot command the minds of others. He can choose what he shall think, but he cannot choose what others shall think. He cannot control the weather as he wills, but he can control his mind and decide what his mental attitude toward the weather shall be. A man can reform the dominion of his own mind, but he cannot reform the outer world, because the outer world is composed of other minds having the same freedom of choice as himself. A pure being cannot cleanse the heart of one less pure, but by his life of purity, and by elucidating his experience in the attainment of purity, he can, as a teacher, act as a guide to others, and so enable them more readily and rapidly to purify themselves. But even then, those others have the power to decide whether they shall accept or reject such guidance, so complete is man's choice. It is because of this dual truth that man has no power in the realm of others' minds, and yet has all power over his own mind, that he cannot avoid the consequences of his own thoughts and acts. Man is altogether powerless to alter or avert consequences, but he is altogether powerful in his choice of causative thought. Having chosen his thoughts, he must accept their full consequences. Having acted, he cannot escape the full results of his act. Law reigns universally, and there is perfect individual liberty. A man can do as he likes, but all other men can also do as they like. A man has power to steal, but others have the power to protect themselves against the thief. Having sent out his thought, having acted his purpose, a man's power over that thought and purpose is at an end. The consequences are certain and cannot be escaped, and they will be of the nature of the thought and act which produce them, painful or blessed. Seeing that a man can think and do as he chooses, and that all others have the like liberty, a man has to learn, sooner or later, to reckon with other minds, and until he does this, he will be ceaselessly involved in suffering. To think and act apart from the consideration of others is both an abuse and an infringement of liberty. Such thoughts and acts are annulled and brought to naught by the harmonizing principle of liberty itself, and such annulling and bringing to naught is felt by the individual as suffering. When the mind, rising above ignorance, recognizes the magnitude of its power within its own sphere, and ceases to antagonize itself against others, it harmonizes itself to those other minds. Having acknowledged their freedom of choice, it has then realized spiritual plenitude and the cessation of suffering. Selfishness, egotism, and despotism are, from the spiritual standpoint, transferable terms. They are one and the same thing. Every selfish thought or act is a manifestation of egotism, is an effort of despotism, and is met with suffering and defeat. It is annulled because the law of liberty cannot, even in the smallest particular, 
be annulled if selfishness could conquer liberty would be non-existent but selfishness fails of all results but pain because liberty is supreme an act of selfishness contains two elements of egotism namely the denial of liberty of others and the assertion of one's own liberty beyond its legitimate sphere it thereby destroys itself despotism is death man is not the creature of selfishness he is the maker of it it is an indication of his power his power to disobey even the laws of his own being selfishness is power without wisdom it is energy wrongly directed a man is selfish because he is ignorant of his nature and power as a mental being such ignorance and selfishness entails suffering and by repeated suffering and age-long experience he at last arrives at knowledge and the legitimate exercise of his power the truly enlightened man cannot be selfish he cannot accuse others of selfishness or try to coerce them into being unselfish the selfish man is eager to bend others to his own way and will believing it to be the only right way for all he thereby ignorantly wastes himself in trying to check in others the power which he freely exercises himself namely the power to choose their own way and exercise their own will by so doing he places himself in direct antagonism with the like tendencies and the freedom of other minds and brings into operation the instruments of his own suffering hence the ceaseless interplay of conflicting forces the unending fires of passion the turmoil strife and woe selfishness is misapplied power the unselfish man is he who ceasing from all personal interference abandons the i as the source of judgment having recognized his unlimited freedom through the abandonment of all egotism even in thought he refrains from encroachment upon the boundless freedom of others he realizes the legitimacy of their choice and their right to be the free employment of their power however others may choose to act towards such a man it can never cause him any trouble or suffering because he is perfectly willing that they should so choose to act and he harbors no wish that they should act in any other way he realizes that his sole duty as well as his entire power lies in acting rightly toward them and that he is in no way concerned with their actions toward him that is both their choice and their business to the unselfish man therefore malice envy backbiting jealousy accusation condemnation and persecution have passed away having ceased to practice these things he is not disturbed when they are hurled at him thus liberation from sin is liberation from suffering the selfless man is free he has made the servitude of sin impossible he has broken every bond. End of chapter 13. Recording by Andrea Fiore.